The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about identity theft protection services and lots of other stuff dealing with identity theft and consumer protection And we are welcoming back today one of my very favorite guests. She's been on several times before, and she's terrific. And I always get a chance to see her when I'm in D.C. So let me tell you a little bit about Susan Grant, who's the director of Consumer Consumer Protection at the Consumer Federation of America. And the Consumer Federation of America is a nonprofit association of some 300 nonprofit consumer groups. And it was established in 1968 to advance the consumer interest through things like research, education, and advocacy. Susan works specifically in my favorite area, which is privacy, deceptive marketing, online safety, security, identity theft, fraud, electronic and mobile commerce, and general consumer protection issues. So she wears lots of hats within that area, and she coordinates CFA's Fake Check Task Force, and she conducts CFA's Annual Consumer Complaint Survey, and she's a recognized authority on combating consumer fraud and deception. She began her career back in 1976 in the Consumer Protection Division and the Northwestern Massachusetts District Attorney's Office. And she's worked in consumer protection for a long time. So you are our queen of consumer protection, Susan. Thank you. (laughs) Well, it's so great to have you back again. And I I always love to see you, too. So let's talk a little bit about what you've studied with. You've been studying these identity theft services. And I was really, you know, thrilled to be able to be a little bit of help to you in that arena. So what do these services typically do? Well, these are services that help consumers detect possible ID theft by monitoring their credit records and, in some cases, other databases, looking for um, any clues that someone else may be fraudulently using their information to impersonate them. Um, Some of these companies also search the Internet for uh, indications that people's social security numbers or credit card numbers are being offered for sale on rogue websites where this kind of stolen information gets traded. Yeah, and you know, some of these services are now saying that they can protect you from medical identity theft, that they have some 
access to databases about that and others for check fraud to see if um, your bank account or your debit card is being used. So that's they're really moving out there in all the different types of identity theft that are growing. Have you heard about that too? Yes, I have, and I, and I think that's the trend. Um, they're increasingly... Uh, broadening the kind of monitoring that they do, uh, and they're also offering a variety of other services. In, in many cases, they um, say that they will help you if you become a victim of identity theft, but that help can really vary from just giving you advice to actually hands-on resolving whatever problems have been created by identity theft for you. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I get calls from people all the time when they say to me, you know, I'm the victim of identity theft, what can, you know, what can I do? And I give them all sorts of different options. And, you know, some people will call and say, well, how do I just prevent it from happening altogether? So, I, you know, let's talk about why consumers even buy these services. Well, no one can absolutely prevent your information from being stolen or used. There are lots of things that consumers can do to try to safeguard their information, but obviously once it's in somebody else's hands, whether it's a government agency or a company that you do business with or has been collected by some data broker you don't even know and compromised, uh, there's not a heck of a lot that you can do to prevent that from happening. Um, You certainly can monitor things like your credit records. You have a right to uh, request your credit records free once a year from the credit reporting bureaus. Uh, You can check your own uh, credit card uh, 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 and other kinds of um, financial accounts online. And there's a lot of things that you can do to at least try to detect if your information is fraudulently being used. But the thing about these services is, um, in many cases, they'll have a greater reach than you do. They're able to access uh, databases, including public records around the country, that you can't easily access. And they may be able to inform you more quickly than you would otherwise discover it if, in fact, you are the victim of identity theft. Right, right. I want to go back to an important thing that you said and just let people know that they can go to annualcreditreport.com, which is what you were talking about, getting your free credit report once a year from each of the three credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, and that was set up by the Federal Trade Commission. So so I wanted to just reiterate how important it is what you just said, that that's so important. And You know, the other thing that people that I'm seeing such a huge increase in bank fraud in meaning the electronic funds transfer when people, you know, get your debit card number or they just somehow are able to get somebody within a bank to to uh, let them get into a bank account and then transfer funds. So you were talking about online banking. And so I think we need to, again, tell people to get that online banking you can check your online banking every day or you can set up alerts like I have. You know, I have an alert from my bank that anytime there's any kind of electronic transfer, I get an email and I can go into the bank and see if that was really something that I did or not. 
That's right. And, you know, a lot of people are reluctant to do um, their financial business online. You can set up a way to monitor your bank account online without necessarily having to actually move money around online if you're uncomfortable with doing that. Another thing that these um, ID theft uh, services can help you with is um, resolving your problems if you are a victim. And, again, there's um, lots of things people can do themselves. In many cases, um, their ID theft problems will be relatively simple to resolve um, and and won't uh, uh, involve any expense and maybe a little bit of time. Uh, But some people do have very complicated ID theft problems that can require lots of time and trouble to resolve, and in that case, um, one of these services might be able to be helpful to you. Right. And and I also want to go back to what you were talking about, some of the databases that they have access to that we don't have access to. I think a lot of these companies, um, you know, like the credit bureaus, have relationships with other companies or they what they do is they set up relationships so that they can access other databases that you and I can't do. I mean, we could try and go and do it, but we really can't. And, you know, I sometimes wonder about how come they can do it and we can't do it. Why is that? (laughs) Well, I mean, just think about every state having its own um, driver's license databases. It's not very easy for you to check with every single state to see if somebody is impersonating you to get a driver's license. Um, But these companies, um, they have the technology, and if there's a, a cost involved, they also have the money to set up systems to automatically be able to access that kind of information. Exactly. So there are some companies that are really doing a wonderful job, and there's other companies that promise things that don't deliver. So let's talk about this recent report that was issued about identity theft services. Can you tell us a little bit about that, the focus of that report? Yes, it was how are identity theft services measuring up to the best practices that uh, Consumer Federation of America put out in uh, March of 2011. And, Mari, um, as you know, because you were one of the um, working group that helped to develop those best practices, we had brought together uh, people from ID theft service companies, uh, consumer advocates, privacy experts such as yourselves, uh, and, and people from government agencies to um, help develop these best practices. That all sprang from an earlier report that we did where we looked at the claims that ID theft services were making, and we found that um, sometimes they were making overly broad claims about their ability to protect consumers um, and that they weren't doing a very good job of explaining exactly what they do. So the best practices were aimed at encouraging companies to um, avoid making overly broad um, and deceptive claims about being able to prevent theft and protect people and um, to encourage them to uh, clearly and accurately describe exactly what they do. Since a year had passed, since we put out the best practices, we wanted to do another study to see how companies were measuring up to them. 
Yeah, and how how they were really um, complying with what they said would be their best practices if, if they were really doing it. So, so what did you find out? Well, um, first what we had to do was um, take a look at what they were doing. And um, this was challenging because um, we weren't actually buying the services and testing them. Right. Um, we assessed what they were doing by going to their websites and seeing what it was that they claimed they could do and how they explained what they did do. Um, so we didn't actually um, buy or test the services. And there were some things in the best practices that we couldn't tell by looking at a website. For instance, as you know, Mari, one of the best practices is that they should have effective complaint handling mechanisms. Right. And that's not something that we could tell just by looking at their website. Um, but we did look at... Um, uh, all of the key things that from the best practices that we think um, uh, uh, would be important um, for consumers to know when they are considering buying uh, a service from the company and um, uh, how good a job they did of presenting that kind of information on their websites and, and whether they made any kinds of uh, claims that went over at the top. And uh, what we found was that um, there's some good news. Um, we found that companies were doing a lot better than the study that we uh, 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 did in 2009 showed they were doing on some things, like um, providing information about insurance that they offered or guarantees. Uh, but we found some problems, too. Some of the hype just goes over the line. So, for instance, um, we found services that were saying that they could stop fraud before it starts, stop identity theft in its tracks, or even prevent identity theft. And we felt that those kinds of claims just went too far. Um, we also found that there was some sloppy use of statistics um, statistics about the number of ID theft victims or the rate of ID theft or the amount of time that it takes people to resolve ID theft problems are often used by these companies as marketing tools. Um, and we found that um, some of the companies were doing a good job of following the best practices like um, uh, providing um, the sources for the statistics that they were using um, and the uh, the date of the statistics, but others weren't providing the attribution. And in some cases, the information was really old. So if it was being used to tell people why they needed to buy these services, it wasn't uh, accurate any longer. Right. So how have the identity theft services reacted to this wonderful new report? Well, um, we made a number of recommendations in the report um, for not exaggerating what you can um, do for people, being careful with statistics, um, clearly disclosing really important information for consumers um, that we found was sometimes lacking, like um, refunding cancellation policies, um, and describing um, exactly what your fraud assistance, if you offer it, um, 
actually does for consumers if they're IDCF victims. I think that was probably the biggest problem that we found, that it's still not clear from looking at the websites exactly what they do for you if you have a problem. Um, so we made recommendations on how this and other things that we found could be fixed. And uh, we heard from a number of IDCF services uh, right away um, and for the most part, I would say that um, they agreed with most of the concerns that we raised, and in many cases, they have promised that they're going to fix things. Now, were those the companies that had been involved in helping to create the best practices? Were those the ones who kind of stepped up to the plate more than anybody else? Yes, it certainly <laughs> was, um, and I was gratified by that. Yes. Although I did hear from one company, just coincidentally contacted me out of the blue for something else. It had a proposal for something that um, CFA might consider doing with it, and I said, well, you know, we just put out this report, and you should take a look because we actually had lots of problems with um, some of the things that we found on your site. I'm waiting to hear back from them. But I think that, um, by and large, um, the companies took this with the spirit in which it was intended. That is, we made constructive criticisms, and um, I, I think that uh, there's going to be improvements made uh, especially in some key areas where we pointed out uh, they just weren't doing as good a job as they could, and there's no reason why they why they can't. And I think you've done such a great job in being, you were a, a real good mediator when we had those phone conversations for the task force, and, and even bringing these things up, you're using it as, as a positive criticism to give them ideas of what they should be doing, so that they can improve their product. And when they improve their product, they're, they're going to have less complaints. And also, the consumers are going to trust them more, right? That's right. And speaking of complaints, Mari, one thing that we found that wasn't addressed in the best practices was that if you go online and if you look for complaints against ID theft services, you don't see complaints about the services themselves. And that's not really surprising given the fact that most people who subscribe to these services are never going to become victims and are not going to have occasion to test the services out. Right. But um, what we found were lots of complaints about free trial offers for these services that resulted in charges to consumers' credit cards or bank accounts that they hadn't anticipated. And we made recommendations in our report for how that should be dealt with. Because a lot of times people are signed up for free trial offers without realizing that they have to cancel within a certain time or else they're going to start to be charged. Or in some cases, they don't remember ever signing up at all and somehow um, a company has gotten a hold of their financial account information and um, charged them for these services even though they never agreed to try them. Right, and when they when it goes through maybe their bank account, it's much um, less visible and transparent than if it's on a credit card statement. So that's that's another problem. Right. We are speaking with Susan Grant, who's the director of consumer protection at the Consumer uh, Federation of America in Washington D.C., and that's a nonprofit association of some three hundred nonprofit consumer groups that were established back in nineteen sixty eight 
to really help protect consumers and do things like research, education, and advocacy. And I'll tell you, Susan has done a wonderful job, not only there, but way back when she was at the Consumer Protection Division in Massachusetts at the DA's office. So she is a longtime hero for us as consumers. So we're talking about this, this recent study that you did. So what are your plans? Are your plans to follow up again? What, what's going to happen next? What we've said to the IDCEF companies that are part of our best practices working group is that we would like them to tell us what changes they're making as a result of this report. And then we'll issue a follow-up press release and an addendum to the report that um, highlights what they've done. So I'll be circling back with the companies later on this year and collecting that information. We want to give them credit if, in fact, they've um, made positive changes. There may be some things that we've criticized that they just are not going to agree to. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that it's an incremental process yes. to make improvements in this area where there's no trade association that exists for these companies, no laws that really apply to them. And so that's why we're working so hard to try to promote these voluntary best practices. Right. Now, the Federal Trade Commission has, has also sat on that best practices committee. And how... How involved have they been recently with regard to this report? Because they do, you know, they, they, there are laws that they can enforce with regard to deceptive practices, and, and we know that they've done that with one of these companies before. So, yes. yeah, so, so uh, in terms of, you know, you're trying to do it in a very collaborative way, you know, incrementally and getting them to, to do the right thing. Now, the Federal Trade Commission has the right um, to enforce these laws against deceptive practices. So what, what, have they, what has been their response? Well, it's been very positive, and I know that our contacts at the FTC um, in the area of ID theft have um, made sure that the report has been circulated to the right people there. Um, so I'm, I'm sure it will be helpful, and... Um, I would not be surprised, although I have no information that they're looking at any um, companies uh, currently, um, I would not be surprised if they think that um, uh, something is truly unfair or deceptive um, if if they uh, uh, took some action to stop it. But there really, um, for the most part, um, was nothing that we found that sort of rose to the level of some of the abuses that we've seen in the past. Their um, case against LifeLock, which has really changed its practices as a result um, and, and does a much better job now of, um, of, of uh, telling people um, clearly and accurately exactly what to expect from it, um, was a real landmark, I think. Yes, and, and sometimes you have to get slapped on the hand for you to wake up and, and do some things differently. So let's talk about what consumers should do who are considering buying these services. What, what do you suggest that they do? Well, we have tips for consumers called Nine Things to Check 
when you're shopping for ID theft services that I think will help. And and this and um, the report and a lot of other good information for consumers is on a special website that we created called idtheftinfo.org. Um, so the tips um, talk about um, watching out and steering clear from companies that do things like um, making you think that they can completely protect you against identity theft or that use um, scare track tactics to try to get you to enroll like um, everybody is eventually going to be an ID theft victim, which just isn't true. Um, we tell them to look for basic information about the company and what it does on the website and explanations of exactly how the various um, features of the service work. For instance, if it says that it's going to monitor various databases and alert you to anything suspicious that it finds, does it explain what your options are for receiving those alerts? Can you only get them by email? Do you have other options? like getting them by phone, um, you know, people have a right to understand how these things work, and especially if they offer to provide help to victims. What exactly is that assistance? Is it just giving you advice? Because there's lots of places, including the Federal Trade Commission, where you can get advice for free. Or um, do they do more for you than that? Yes. And uh, what's the cost? Do they clearly provide information about the cost? Do they have a clear privacy policy? That's another really important thing because when you're subscribing to an ID theft service, you have to give it all sorts of very personal information about you because it needs that information in order to monitor to see if your information is being abused anywhere. And you want to make sure that they have a good privacy policy and that you know um, whether they share that information with anybody else and for what purpose. And finally, um, look to see what they say about insurance and guarantees. Um, we think insurance is fairly worthless because most ID theft victims are not going to have out-of-pocket expenses, which is primarily what this insurance covers. But most of the companies um, provide this insurance, and if they do provide it, you want to know exactly what it covers and what it doesn't, and whether it applies to ID theft that you knew about before you enroll or um, that you only discovered after you enrolled. Uh, in most cases, um, it doesn't provide coverage for pre-existing ID theft. Um, and if there's a guarantee, the same thing. You want to know exactly what it does for you and what the exclusions and limitations are. Uh, those are such good points. And, and really find out if it covers your attorney's fees, because I get people calling me and they have an ID theft service and the service isn't doing anything and they want to hire me. And I ask them, well, is this going to be covered by the ID theft service? And they call back and say, no, it's not covered. That's right. So, In many cases, yeah. um, if legal uh, services are provided, um, the services hire lawyers that they already have relationships with, or you have to get prior approval for them to pay a lawyer of your choosing. So, you know, there's all kinds of fine print that you have to um, be aware of, and part of the best practices that we 
are encouraging the companies to adopt is um, not hiding all of these terms and conditions in a legal document that um, people will just click, yes, I read it, and if they did, they won't understand it, but most won't have even read it. We want them to put this key information where it can be easily seen and understood. Well, you're doing such great work, Susan. We so appreciate all the work that you're doing, and we will make sure that our audience has idtheftinfo.org, and they can also find out all the other great stuff that you do at consumerfed.org. So we'll have you back again, Susan. Thanks so much for your time. You are wonderful. Oh, thank you, Marie. It's always a pleasure. Okay, talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Marie Frank. Join me every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy where you can see our upcoming guests. You can download podcasts. You can listen to archived interviews. You can link to the websites of all the people that we've interviewed. And please write us an email about what's important to you about privacy in the information age. Thank you. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.